So glad you're here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt, and uh, last week you all kicked me out and sent me to Montrose, uh, but I'm glad to be back. Now, I was filling in for Pastor Bob over there. I appreciate uh, all that. It's so fun to be a part of some of the different campuses and see what God is doing and uh, all the people involved in uh, making this mission move forward. Uh, so if you have missed the last couple of weeks here, we've been talking about uh, relationship goals, and as we uh, wrap up this series here this morning... Um, I want to just kind of end on this note of talking about your work relationships. And you may uh, not often think about those relationships. They may not come to your mind. They may not be uh, necessarily at the forefront. But you actually, and this may depress some of you this morning, um, you spend over a third of your life at work. You spend the other third of it sleeping. And the reality is I don't know a lot of people who only work 40 hours a week. And so really, truly, you spend more than a third of your life at work. And so uh, if that's true, then the, the space and the time that you are in those relationships and you're around work really ought to be something we give a lot of thought to, isn't it? And this is true for you, whether you're self-employed, whether you uh, work for a business, whether you work for a school, whether actually you work from home, all of those are, are true for us. And so I actually wanted to uh, do something this morning, and this may go terribly, I hope it goes well. Um, but here's the question, and I want you to raise your hands if this is true of you. If you came to know Jesus or entered into a church because of uh, a relationship with somebody at work or through work, could you raise your hand this morning? Just throw them up there. If you had any a couple, two, three, four, anybody else? All right, so, okay, there's some here. What, what I want you to see is uh, there are incredible weights given to how you work, incredible weight given to how you interact with people. And so I wanna talk about that uh, this morning, but as you consider work, I think you gotta evaluate your goals. Right? This is what we've been talking about this whole series, relationship goals. When you go to work, what are your goals? Are you there to make lots of money? Uh, are you there to pay for your retirement? Uh, are you there to afford the vacations you keep uh, on your wish list and Expedia.com, right? Like, uh, are you there just simply to survive the week, just to get through? Uh, I know a lot of people that just live for the weekends. They can't wait to escape reality and get to um, some dream weekend. And that's okay. I just don't know if that's all that God has for us. The other question I want you to consider is what are your goals for your relationships with your coworkers? Are they just a means to an end? Are they people you just are forced to live with and, and forced to do life with? Or is there something deeper and more meaningful that God intends to happen uh, in that space? And so I, I think it really starts with us thinking about work rightly. And you're probably all thinking, really, I have to talk about work. This is my day off. Why are we talking about work? All right. Well, <laughs> here's why I think we have to talk about work rightly. Uh, so often it appears as the necessary evil, Right. It's just a means to an end. We're just getting the paycheck. But that's not how God originally intended and designed work. Way back in the beginning, in the creation, before God, or when God created man, before sin entered the world, um, God created man to work, to grow, to cultivate, to build things, to do work. And actually, the very first job he assigned to anybody was a farmer, right? That it was the diligence he gave to Adam was to grow and make beauty out of the world. Well, then sin entered in and destroyed uh, the, what was meant to be a blessing and turned it into uh, a difficulty. But here's the thing I think we so often miss. When Jesus went to the cross and, and paid for our sin, he broke the curse of sin and death, which means he has now made a pathway for us as believers to uh, re-enter into that purpose, to grow, to cultivate 
for the good of others and the glory of God. And you may think, I've never thought about work like that. Well, here's the deal. That's just the surface level. Paul's going to take the way you think about work, and he's going to take it even deeper. And I hope for all of us here this morning that you begin to see what you spend more than a third of your life doing has incredible, incredible purpose. We're going to be in Colossians this morning, Colossians chapter 3. I apologize for my voice. Um, I feel totally fine. I just woke up this morning and it was gone. So um, there's a few things you can do and live with as a preacher. Losing your voice is not one of them. So um, you may hear me this service. They may hear David's second service because my voice may be gone by then. But Colossians chapter 3, what we see here is Paul's writing this letter uh, to the church in Colossae. And he actually himself is bivocational. So he um, builds tents on the sides to make money to support his ministry. And then he teaches and preaches. Well, he planted this church in Colossae. And for the first uh, three chapters in this letter that he's writing back, he talks about the preeminence of Jesus, how Jesus is above all and he is through all and all of the world was created through him. And in doing that, he sets up this picture of Jesus coming to serve and getting glory for it. And then as he kind of turns the corner and he talks about how the gospel changes everything for us. Jesus went to the cross and he purchased us back. That is the good news that we've been purchased back from sin. Well, then it transfers and changes everything about how you live your life and the the way that you go about it. And so in chapter three, he's dealing again with uh, relationships, but specifically he's getting into the work relationship. So Colossians chapter three, excuse me. Uh, We're going to pick it up in verse uh, 22. We're going to read the whole section and then we're going to start over from the top. Verse 22 says this, slaves, Obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism." All right, let's go up to verse 22, and we're just going to kind of walk through this whole section here together. I want to start with slaves. Um, As you hear this, I'm sure there may be some things going off in your head about slaves and what that means. Uh, Well, contextually in the Roman Empire, a majority of the empire really was run by slaves. It worked a little bit different than we think of modern slavery. It was much more uh, like an employee-boss relationship. Sometimes they were working off debts. Um, And so it begs the question, is God condoning slavery? No, he is not condoning slavery. He is not saying slavery is a good thing. He's saying in the context in which you live, you are in a culture that this is a reality. But what is interesting as you consider this is he's going to make something other than their freedom their highest aim. He will say, Paul will say in first, I think it's first or second Corinthians, basically, if you can legally obtain your freedom, do that. But he is saying there's something more important about your life and how you live than getting freedom from this. And he's going to help them begin to live a gospel centered life in the middle of this. And so I want to turn this and want you to consider this in the employee boss uh, relationship category. As, you re- as we read through this, you can see that there really is no wiggle room in this passage for the slaves. Right? They're, they're not told like, well, um, you only have to obey to this point or you only have to honor him to this point. No, it says uh, you, you have to obey your earthly masters in everything. And he sets this bar really, really high. Now, I, I don't know where you work. I don't know your boss. But I know none of you are slaves because it's illegal. You might feel like a slave to your boss, but you're not a slave. 
And so if he gives such little wiggle room to slaves, how much more then for those of us who are employees? That we don't get to decide this. We are called to submit and surrender to those put in authority. And that is an unpopular statement, and I'm very aware of that. But if you could just begin to kind of look around your work environment, and you could see how often this simple task is just not done. Right? And you, we couch it in like, oh, I know a better way. I know the boss said this, but we're going to do this because this is better, right? Like, um, we couch it in being good and smarter, and, but, but really, if you want a good starting place for great work relationships, it starts with simply the obeying masters, obeying your bosses. And those of you who are bosses in here are like, oh, I'm going to send this to my employees. Listen, I'm going to get to you later. Don't you worry about it, all right? Uh, but what do, you, what do you do if he's a jerk? Because the reality is some of us work for jerks. Well, just talk to David Wyman. He can help you out. He works for me. It's fine. He'll give you some advice. <laughs> that was for him. Anyway, uh, what, what do you do? Seriously, though, if your boss is a jerk, what do you do? Well, listen to what Peter says. He actually goes further than, than Paul does. He says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Do you hear what Peter says there? He says, even the jerk boss, the way in which you approach him ought to be filtered through the gospel. Because we follow a savior who was perfect, who did no wrong, who came and was beaten and accused by unjust, uh, wicked men. And what did he do? He submitted himself to the Father in a way that brought about salvation for the world. And so uh, really what Peter's saying is if you could uh, work for that boss or work in that environment in a way that pleases God, you're getting the applause of heaven. Why? Because you're following in the way of the Savior. Because you understand there's something bigger here than your rights. Now, are those important? Yes. Are we protected constitutionally? Yes. But that may not always be true. And if that is not true in a future day, we got to look to Peter and say, man, we have to be applauded by heaven for how we choose to interact with our bosses, how we choose to interact with those above us. Let's jump back to Colossians here and see what else he says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. What verse 22 makes very clear to us is that even the Bible doesn't like brown nosers, right? Like it just doesn't. It's like, hey, don't just do it because your boss is looking and you, like every work environment has one, right? You know who it is. You're like the one who's always trying to butter up to the boss and like, oh, the boss is coming. Let me get off of Facebook real quick and just pretend like I was working hard, right? Like, and if you don't know who it is in the office, it's you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. All right, but, but here's the thing. In, in the world's economy, it's fine to just obey, but that's not enough in God's economy. In God's economy, not only do we have to obey and, and work hard, but we have to do it with the right attitude. We have to do it with the right motivation. We can't just say, well, fine, I'll do it because I'm told to do it and just go do it. That, that's not, that check's not getting written from heaven. Our heart attitude has to be uh, proper. And he, he sets up the weight of it by basically saying you do it with sincerity of heart, not because of your boss. He's not a factor in this. The Lord is the driver in, in your heart attitude. 
Your deep respect for the God who knows your motivation is what drives you to work hard with a good attitude. Now, that can be really difficult to do if there's a couple things going on in your life. If you've got pride going in your heart and you think you know better, um, maybe if you think your job doesn't matter, uh, it's really easy to just kind of do it and get done and get on with your life if you don't see the value in it. And also, if you don't value your coworkers well, that it can be really hard to do this with the right attitude. And so I think we have to not only see work rightly and that it was a gift from God that we would grow and cultivate, but we have to see the people we work with rightly. In Genesis chapter 1, not only does he talk about our uh, role here and that we may rule over, that we would grow and cultivate, but he talks about the value of people. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And he's talking about this idea that every person you work with has the image of God on their soul. And what that means is they have incredible worth and value. And so uh, even as you look at these coworkers who may be difficult or the boss who may be mistreating you or the employee who's acting out, this is true for all of them that we have to stop and go, okay, you might be very difficult to me right now. You might even be a jerk to me. But if I can see past all of that, I see that you were created in the image of God. And but for the grace of God, I could be that man too. It is only by his grace that we would be uh, different. And you can begin to see past the brokenness in these work environments and say, okay, now all of this is because of sin. What you need is Jesus. You don't need me to set you right. What you need is Jesus. And so let me act in a way that it gets past all of this that you would begin to see. There's another verse here, verse 26. We were given to rule over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. Basically just saying, this is our job. To work in such a way, to interact with people in such a way, that it changes how they see Jesus. And I think this is uh, captured really beautifully in this quote by uh, C.S. Lewis. I want you to read it here. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, meaning they will come to an end. Their, Their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Really interesting what C.S. Lewis here says. He says, listen, all of the things that you can spend so much time fighting for will one day come to an end. The nations, the cultures, uh, the beliefs even around those cultures and nations, they will end. They will disappear like a gnat disappears. And that's hard for us to, to think of, but you look at your history books and you can see very clearly that that's true. What is eternal is your boss. Who will live forever is your coworker. How we choose to treat them speaks loudly about what we think about their value. And uh, this is difficult for some of us in different ways. Some of us are so people-focused that this isn't hard at all. Others of us are very task-oriented. I'm one of those task-oriented. That efficiency is high on my list. And so if I'm working and I'm trying to get something done, I have to continually stop myself and go, okay, the people I'm talking to matter as much as the work I'm trying to accomplish. And this is actually a point I have for us here this morning. The way we work with people matters as much as the work we do. Now, um, I'm going to make a broad generalization. You can be mad at me for it later. Um, Millennials are really good at this, probably too good at this. 
Boomers can struggle with this sometimes, right? Because they're just different cultural values. We have to take both of those, filter them back through the word of God and say, okay, how I'm treating my coworkers is just as important as whatever work I get done. Let's keep going and see what Paul says here next. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. He says clearly, whatever job you have, it doesn't matter uh, what category you fall in. And this is uh, really important because I think in America that we don't have a class system. We kind of have an unspoken class system, right? Oh, you work in that field. And that can mean a whole bunch of things depending on which uh, field you're in. Oh, you work for those people, right? Like we have it, it's not necessarily spoken, but it doesn't give any one of those jobs any more value. And this is where I want to talk to those of you who uh, work from home. Your primary job would be uh, taking care of kids and being there. What you do at home and how you care for kids matters as much as those who are out um, earning physical paycheck dollars, right? There is no uh, difference in the kingdom of God. He says, whatever you do, give all of your heart to it. Another way to say it would be this. In God's economy, all jobs have equal importance. This is something that I think I always knew, um, but I didn't always do well. I've had a lot of jobs before I uh, came here to be your pastor. I worked at Coldstone Creamery. It was my very first job. Like it, love it, gotta have it. Um, I worked at Outback Steakhouse. I was a busboy. I was doing dishes. Uh, I traveled all across the country putting in um, updates for um, chain restaurants basically all across the states. I f- spent five years in missions. I came back, I worked construction for a little over two years. I worked as a trainer for a little over two years. And then I've been here as your pastor for about uh, four or five years. And, and the thing about all of those jobs is they all had something in common. They all had the same purpose. The job I have right now has the same purpose and the same value as the job I held at Coldstone. That one came with ice cream as benefits pretty often, but it had equal importance. And here's what I mean. Every job you work, no matter who it is, no matter how you, what you do, has the same purpose of making more and better disciples of Jesus. It is for the goal that we would glorify God and that others would see him and come uh, to know him. And, and I frankly really struggled with this at a season of my life. It was back before I came on here full-time. I was working full-time as a foreman for a construction company. I'd get off work. I'd go, and I'd train in the evenings at the gym until about 7.30. I'd get off at 7.30, and I would go, and I would write sermons, and I was preaching here about twice a month. And so uh, I was up at about 3.30 in the morning. I got to bed around 11.30 midnight, depending on how difficult the sermon was uh, to write that night. And uh, as I went through that for quite a season, uh, finally, somebody who I worked with at the construction company and also attends here called me out on the carpet one day and was like, hey, you are not living Colossians chapter 3. You're just not. I don't know how else to tell you. You're not putting the same amount of work into the morning as I know you're putting into your other jobs. You've tipped the scales of what you think is important. And I'm going to call you out on it basically and say, um, what you do in the morning matters just as much as the sermons you're writing late at night. And he was right. Not only was I not putting the amount of effort in that I needed to, I was just trying to skate by to get through what I thought was more important, and that's totally wrong. I wasn't treating people well, super, super well either. I was just so focused on getting through to the next thing, and I had to sit, and I had to repent of it, and I had to realize how wrong that was. And this is really important because as you're going to get into your heart motivations, you have to see what Paul says next, that whatever we're doing, we do it as we're working for the Lord. Which means when you show up, you're not working for the paycheck. 
You're not working for the glory. You're not working for any of those things. You're working as you're working towards uh, the Lord. And what I want to show you here this morning is one of our first points is that your work ethic reveals your God. And that can be big G or that can be little g. The way you work reveals whether God really is, you're really working for the Lord or if something else is your God. I'm going to break us into two, again, two broad categories, and they are this. I think there's two types of people at work. Um, There are workaholics and there are lazy people. There might be a perfect worker out there. I've just not found them yet. If it's you, awesome. Good for you. Uh, But but here's where I think we can end up falling. We're going to start with laziness. Um, lazy people do have a God that they're serving at work, but it's most likely not big G, right? It's, it's very easy to come into work and notice the lazy people, those who often kind of don't feel it's necessary for them to do extra or to pull the load, and so they end up pushing all their weight off onto other people. They're not really pulling their weight, and so um, what happens in those moments is we really end up abusing our coworkers, Or if we're bosses and we are trending towards laziness, we can end up abusing our employees because we just don't feel like pulling the weight. Well, they can do it, right? And we just pass the buck. And this person really often serves the God of selfishness, the God of ease, the God of comfort, the God of pleasure, because I'd rather not be fussed. I'd rather not work too hard, right? And and often this happens if, uh, one, we don't think our job is that important, or we think we're better than our job which is what I was having to wrestle with in some of my environments, was that I felt that. What is that? It's pride. It's unhelpful. The other side of the conversation is the workaholic. And this one's weird because um, there's such a fine line between a hard biblical work ethic and being a workaholic. And if you can ever find that balance, please tell me. I would love to know what that balance is. I'm not, certainly not there yet. Um, but we often praise the hard worker, Right? Like that's a deep American value. It's a, even a deep church value. We, we praise the hard worker. But at the bottom of all of it is the same heart as the lazy person. And you feel like that's not true. You just identified yourself as a workaholic, all right? But here's why. The lazy person pushes other people and puts weights on them that are unfair to them for their own gain. The workaholic pushes people aside and makes them look bad so that they get all the praise and that they look good. Really, at the heart of it is the same thing. They just manifest themselves uh, differently. And the workaholic is one who really has a hard time shutting off. Often you'll think to yourself, well, if I don't do this, nobody else will. Or uh, we don't often value the contributions of others because uh, we think we bring something better to the table than they bring to the table. Right? There's a whole host of things that go in uh, behind that. And, and just truth be told to you this morning, I find myself vacillating hard between both. <laughs> Right? Like, I, I find myself being a workaholic and I have a hard time shutting off my brain and I'll work more hours than I should. And so then I just end this knee-jerk reaction in which I'm like, well, okay, I won't do that. I won't do that. No, 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 no. That's not helpful either. There is a way in which we are called to work where we balance what God has called important and what the world has called important. And in fact, Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 5 and he says this. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, that they may see how you work, that they may see how you show up to the office, they may see how you spend your hours, all of those things, and they may glorify your Father in heaven. I think another way to say this would be this. We don't work so people applaud us. We work so people applaud God. What if we took that mindset into work tomorrow, uh, whether you're a boss, whether you're whatever you are, 
whether you're at home. He said, I want to work in such a way that if somebody got to look into my life for the, the whole week, they would go, wow, they serve an amazing God by how hard they work and how well they treat people. What, what a challenge for us. And, and the truth is, the way in which we work is going to make our, our testimony and our sharing the gospel uh, either a hindrance or a help, which is our second point. Your work ethic speaks louder than your words. If you want to be in your environment as you're called to be, uh, making more disciples of Jesus, what people are going to do, right or wrong, is they're going to look at your work ethic and establish if they need to listen to you or not, right? Like, let's, let's be honest. The really lazy coworker walks up to you, and the one that you're always trying to pick up their slack and covering for them, and they say, hey, I really think you'd do better off if you did your job like this, right? Like when they try to tell you how to do your job, you're like, of all people, Lord, you sent them, right? Like, all right. Or the workaholic who's always never with his family comes up to you and tries to tell you how to be a better parent, right? Like, it's just hard to receive. In the same way, for us as believers, the world is watching how we work and determining if the words we speak match the life we live. It is their barometer to whether Jesus really does change everything. Now, that may be an unfair window of, their life, of your life to examine it on, but that's all many of them have. And so the way we do this is incredibly important. Let's uh, wrap up by finishing out this section here, what he says in verse 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. He kind of ends this section really uh, almost harshly by saying, anybody who does wrong The Lord sees it, and he will repay it, which brings us to our third point this morning, that your integrity is worth more than your paycheck. Your integrity is worth more than your paycheck. And here's why it's important that we see work rightly. If we only see work to get a paycheck, it will be so easy to blur the lines. If our only ambition is more money and more stuff and more houses, it will become so easy in our hearts to begin to move towards maybe not handling how you log your hours correctly, or maybe you just kind of milk the last couple minutes of your day because everybody milks the last couple minutes of their day. It's fine. Maybe it's your heavy use of social media throughout the day. Right? And I think we're in a totally new world of working from home. Um, and anybody who's ever worked from home for an extended period of time knows the um, incredible amount of self-discipline it takes to do that well. Right? Like, unless you have one of those trackers on your computers and your company is one of those, like, nobody knows if you got Sports Center on over here while you're trying to do your work. Well, your attention is divided, and now all of a sudden you're not giving all to your work. They're not paying us to watch Sports Center. If you do, I want your job, Okay but also on the other side of that, right? Like there's also this temptation to never shut off from work, to neglect those who are important to us. And so uh, I want to just stress this last point, really that your integrity is perhaps the greatest currency at your job. Your integrity is perhaps the greatest currency at your job. And so your money is important, yes, work hard for it. But how you choose to interact and treat people is far more important than this. Here's what I want you to consider as we kind of wrap up. Could you work in such a way that the people around you say, I want to know that person's Savior. I want to know whatever he's got going on in his life because of how he acts, because of how he interacts, and how he works. I've done this well in seasons of my life, and other seasons of my life I've done this very poorly. 
There's people who I've lost the opportunity to share the gospel with because of how I've treated them at the work environment. There's also times when I've done this well and I've been able to lead people to the Lord. And here's what I mean. And here's why I say this. You can't do it on your own. You just can't. There's too much at stake here. The enemy wants nothing more than to destroy our testimony. And you can try hard and you can white knuckle it and you might make it a couple weeks. If you're more disciplined than me, you might make it a couple months. But we all need the Holy Spirit. We need to invite the Holy Spirit. We need to invite the Lord into what we spend a third of our life uh, doing. Uh, How often do you pray before you go into work? Do you pray before you walk into meetings? Do you pray before you enter into difficult conversations? When you're having a hard time focusing and you just don't want to work and you want to be on the boat already, how often do you pause and pray and say, God, would you help me work well today? And so uh, that's one of our challenges for you here uh, this morning. If you're like, I don't even know how to pray for work. Awesome. We've created a thing that will help you pray uh, for work. And so uh, if you want to go ahead and text the keyword work to 570-278-2352, grab your phones, text that word in, and you're going to get a uh, kind of a guided prayer for 10 days straight. Uh, I'd highly encourage this. Uh, It's been really helpful for me. It's been something I've been putting into practice of just trying to make sure I'm praying properly. But uh, 570-278-2352, I would encourage you to take advantage of that. It'll be up on the Facebook page later uh, if you want that. The other thing I think we need to put in our life is accountability. We don't know how people perceive us unless people tell us. I I didn't know how badly I was failing until my friend called me out. Invite that into your life. If you really care about uh, how people perceive, ask somebody who's going to be honest with you and say, hey, when people think of me as a worker, what do they think of? Be honest. Give me feedback. When people talk about how I treat them, what are the things they're saying? Ask that question. I think the third thing for some of us might be financial. If you're at your job and you're trying and need every penny to make sure you can pay your bills, it's really hard to be kind and godly when you're fighting for your life financially. It's really hard when you feel the stress of all of that and you need all those promotions and you need all of that money. That's why I encourage you if you have not yet taken it to do Financial Peace University, that you could be in a space where you don't have to have that job to survive. Now, that may be how God provides, but it all of a sudden takes the pressure off of work. And it allows you to see that there's bigger purposes here beyond just the paycheck. God has called me to this place and this time to be a light for him that others may see good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the fact that you chose us and that you gave us a purpose. And that every person in here has been called for a reason to do something meaningful and impactful for your kingdom. God, I will confess myself, and I know I probably don't stand alone, that we have not done this perfectly all the time, and we have missed. I pray that you would uh, allow us grace in those seasons and that we would make things right. I pray that uh, as we continue to uh, serve and follow you, God, that you'd give us uh, the empowerment of your spirit to work well and to bring others to know you because of how they have witnessed our life. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.